is White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. Swing and a drive! Deep left! Gone! That was as hard as a baseball can be hit. Swing and a basic to left, and the White Sox win it! Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. What's up and welcome in to White Sox Weekly, December 9, 2023. Just a couple of shows left here in the 2023 calendar year. The offseason, well, I guess it depends on who you are. The offseason is either moving very quickly or not moving at all if you're paying attention to the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. And you can give the gift of White Sox baseball with a holiday flex pack. Purchase six vouchers starting at $49 or upgrade to 10 vouchers starting at only $70. This upgrade offer is $100 off the regular price and only available through the holidays. Learn more at whitesox.com slash holiday packs. The holiday season is upon us, Uh, whether you're shopping for whatever holiday you celebrate during this whole winter thing. White Sox tickets make a really good gift for anybody over the next month or so, whether it's Hanukkah or Christmas or New Year's or you got your own cool thing where you give White Sox tickets to somebody during the... uh, Invite me to that holiday party, by the way. If you're just exchanging baseball tickets, I'm in for whatever that celebration is called. Uh, The White Sox made some news uh, during the winter meetings, which was uh, largely decried as a thing that didn't have enough going on. We'll talk about about that a little bit as well. There's kind of a, a meta layer to the winter meetings that goes around the uh, the baseball you know conversation sphere, whether it's in Twitter, whether it's the Talking Heads, or you know radio shows like ours, something like that. The winter meetings themselves became a topic of conversation after either not enough happened, just enough happened, or everything happened, depending on on your perspective of off season baseball. Let's start with the White Sox stuff. Although, apparently, given um, Twitter and and X or whatever you're calling it these days, uh, apparently the Shohei Otani signing is either imminent or days away or he's flying here or there or Toronto or something. I don't know. If Shohei Otani signs during the show, we'll definitely cover it because that'll be one of the biggest stories in baseball, no doubt about it. But I don't know. I I don't know where he's signing. You don't know where he's signing. Twitter doesn't know. Your cousin who follows somebody else who saw a plain uh, ID ID tag or something heading to Toronto. He doesn't know either. Um, We'll just all wait and see what happens one way or the other. But what we do know is that during the winter meetings, um, the White Sox added a couple of arms that you're going to see Uh, come opening day. I mean, maybe not accurately pitching on opening day, March 28th against the Tigers, but certainly on the roster come opening day, health and everything else aside, um, it looks like you're going to have to get familiar with two new names. Now, one of them is not an official signing yet, and the other, Shane Drohan, um, a Rule 5 pickup uh, that the White Sox drafted in the Rule 5 draft just the other day is a guy that's going to be on the active roster. But I want to start by talking about Eric Fetty. Still waiting to get the official word uh, and, and place him on the roster proper. Uh, but Fetty reportedly signed a two-year deal with the White Sox. It's um, It should be all set and ready to go. Uh, Jeff Passan had the report. Mark Feinsand had it out as well. And, and what's cool about this, I think in a couple of different ways, 
is that he gives us, you know, a, a marquee kind of like um, a, a, a signpost, right? A, a place in time where the White Sox began to add not just, you know, some guys who could pop for starting positions, um, not just guys who might be bridge players for whatever's next in the organization. You know, I'm thinking of some of the returns that they got in the Aaron Bummer trade, whether it's Mike Soroka or Nicky Lopez or the free agent signing of Paul DeYoung, you know, stuff like that. Those guys are going to matter, no doubt, and they're going to have some a, a lot of starts in, in many cases. But what Fetty kind of represents for the White Sox here is is an interesting turning point from a number of different perspectives. First, a little bit about the guy himself, if you've not gotten caught up on this news, uh, this reported news over the last week or so. Fetty is uh, 30 years old. He's going to turn 31 in February. A former first-round pick of the Washington Nationals in the 2014 draft. Made his debut in 2017. Uh, pitched a little bit for the Nationals in each of the next uh, six seasons. 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. So, uh, and 22. Pitched in Korea in 2023. And that's where things really began to take a turn. He pitched for the uh, NC Dinos, which you have a great logo, um, signed a one-year deal and won the KBO, the Korean Baseball League's version uh, of the Cy Young and MVP. So that was a part of just the MVP. So good stuff, great stuff for Eric Fetty having gone over to Korea. And before you think, well, sure, he went over to Korea and dominated. He's a major leaguer. There were a lot of changes to Eric Fetty's stuff that we'll get into in a little bit here that helped him uh, push forward in terms of his production and in terms of his relative value or his perceived value by the White Sox and a lot of other teams. I think what's cool first and foremost about this reported signing by the White Sox is that they identified a guy that you could bring in, that they feel they could bring in for multiple years. It sounds like it's going to be a two-year deal worth $15 million or so. Um, the deal's pending a physical, obviously. And what, what this does is put the White Sox in as winners of a bidding war. There were, I think, two days before Fetty reportedly signed that deal with the White Sox. Uh, the, the Mets were involved in, in some of the, uh, the identified clubs that were looking to sign Eric Fetty um, and perhaps even some others. So what this makes is, is kind of, oh, hey, look, the, they identified their guy. The White Sox won a bidding war for a starting pitcher, a right-hander, a spot where they can go ahead and say, we have starts right here for you. you. If you want to post 30 times in 2024, if you're healthy and able to do so and pitching well enough, we got 30 starts for you right here and right now. I, I think that might be as much as anything else um, what probably drew Fetty to the organization. But what seemed to have also done that was a connection with White Sox director of pitching, Brian Bannister, who actually tweeted about this reported signing before it's it's actually become official so I, I think that's actually somewhat interesting we've um we've got the tweet here Bannister was responding to a a White Sox fan who was tweeting about the um about the signing itself and Bannister wrote a couple of different things Fetty works out at the same facility as Logan Webb in the offseason Webb's a good one um and then 
that he added the same sweeper and split change combination to his arsenal as Webb did at that off-season facility. So a, a, a real tangible change in pitch arsenal for Eric Fetty that has led him to the, the success he had in the KBO. And he put a third point out there, Bannister did, uh, about Fetty. Ethan Katz, the White Sox pitching coach, and Bannister were both with Webb when these adjustments were made, you know, changing that split and uh, changing the arsenal to the sweeper and split change for Logan Webb, obviously Bannister and Katz having some familiarity and, and having worked with the Giants organization. And that's first a really cool way that a member of the White Sox front office, Brian Bannister, goes out there and identifies the changes that got made for a guy that is likely to make a bunch of starts, Eric Fetty, in 2024 for the White Sox, and then kind of you know illuminating some of the tangible changes that got made, not from like a you know oh what you don't know kind of perspective, but just like putting it out there and saying like yeah here are the things that he changed and here's what we've been working on and here's why we identified Fetty as a guy that we think can come in here and make a big impact for our team. So some cool stuff having gone on there for the White Sox in the reported signing of Eric Fetty. I also think what's interesting here is, you know, the kind of what's next for um, both the player and for the team, right? What this does is kind of put the White Sox as uh, as a new front office, Getz and Barfield and Bannister, in, in a realm that the White Sox hadn't necessarily traveled in over the last 10 years or so, and that's bringing players from the KBO or just looking kind of internationally at guys who are coming back to the bigs, who have succeeded in a particular way, and then kind of align themselves ready to go and get back into the big leagues um, and, and make a move. This is breaking news got a on Chicago's home for sports. Oh my goodness! ESPN One Thousand. All right, Jack, is this is this legit? Do we have this set? The, Here I the, am talking about Eric Fetty, and we've got big news breaking on the other side. It's you want to do the honors, from, my friend? Sure, it's coming from the man himself. Shohei Otani just posted on his Instagram a L.A. Dodgers logo, Los Angeles Dodgers, with a few long paragraphs. It looks like he has chosen the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh wow! Jeff Passan has the news. That looks official. Uh, the number is out there as well. This is um, this is a pretty seismic day in in baseball history, and, and I, I, you know, I don't mean to be hyperbolic here, but according to Jeff Passan, I mean this is all happening right here and right now. Uh, and we'll get back to some of the stuff on Eric Fetty as well. It is big stuff for the White Sox, but Shohei Otani has chosen the Los Angeles Dodgers and is signing for ten years. And $700 million. That is a hefty number <laughs> that makes him uh, the highest paid player in baseball history. Unless I've missed my guess, I'm kind of doing the math here live on air with you. And if you know anything about me on air, I'm not allowed to do math while talking about baseball, at least not at the same time. Um, the Instagram post is out, and I'm going to uh, click the link here and try and read it to you if I can. Um, but Shohei Otani, long rumored to have been uh, interested in the Dodgers and the Dodgers having interest in him, uh, it looked like things went back and forth and that the Dodgers, with Dave Roberts, their manager, having talked out loud about the potential of signing Shohei Otani, 
had taken the Dodgers out of the running. I'm sure you're familiar with everything around the free agent frenzy concerning Otani having been, well, you know, you can't talk about meetings. with The first rule of shining Shohei Otani is that you can't talk about having met with Shohei Otani. Uh, but it seems like all of that is out the window and that Otani is traveling just a little bit farther away uh, from what has been his hometown, at least here stateside, and leaving the Angels and going to play for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, the Instagram post is out. The decision is official. This is from the verified account of Shohei Otani himself, um, and it reads thusly, To all the fans and everyone involved in the baseball world, I apologize for taking so long to come to a decision. I have decided to choose the Dodgers as my next team. First of all, I'd like to express my sincere gratitude to everyone involved with the Angels organization and the fans who have supported me over the past six years, as well as to everyone involved with each team that was part of this uh, negotiation process, especially to Angels fans who supported me through all the ups and downs. Your guys' support and cheer meant the world to me. The six years I spent with the Angels will remain etched in my heart forever. And to all Dodgers fans, I pledge to always do its best for the team and always continue to give it my all to be the best version of myself until the last day of my playing career. I want to continue to strive forward, not only for the Dodgers, but for the baseball world. There are some things cannot be conveyed in writing, so I'd like to talk more about this in a press conference later. Thank you very much. Shohei Otani has signed reportedly a 10-year, $700 million deal to play baseball for the Los Angeles Dodgers. That news is out. It is uh it's breaking over the last couple of minutes. That is um that you know it's funny. We went through the winter meetings, you know, waiting for for big news about Shohei Otani. We were rewarded with the White Sox signing Eric Fetty and making a, a Rule 5 draft pick with the uh, Juan Soto trade to the New York Yankees from the San Diego Padres and a couple of other, you know, moves that are going to be material for the 2024 season. But this entire offseason, I mean, and so much of the regular season last year with Otani marching to another MVP award, it was, you know, it was all about Shohei Otani. And now with this happening, what I would imagine starts to finally break is more free agent signings. A lot of the conversations around the winter meetings revolved around, well, maybe the Dylan Cease trade, if the White Sox were interested in trading Dylan Cease, is waiting for Otani to sign, because while he's not going to pitch in 2024, he's absolutely going to pitch in 2025, so you regard his free agent signing, now with the Dodgers, if you're just joining us, 10 years and $700 million for Shohei Otani to go to the Los Angeles Dodgers, you know, maybe you do have to look, or if you were looking at the offseason as a uh, as, as a kind of a domino effect, as if this happens, then this. Otani's got to be regarded as a pitcher somewhat, and therefore the rest of the pitching market, or at least a lot of it, is going to be shaped by what Otani is able to sign for. Not necessarily to a dollar amount. I'm reading from Bill Shakin, who writes for the um, oh, he's right, the Los Angeles Times, and, and he reads, or he tweets rather, last year, Shoya Otani made $40 million in endorsements. So the 10-year, $700 million contract makes him a essentially 
$100 million per year athlete. We have been, and the reason this is such big news is, is fairly evident. And I, I've said this on White Sox Weeklies before when, when the White Sox are out in L.A. playing uh, the Angels and playing Otani and all this other kind of stuff. Because of who Shohei Otani is and what he's done in baseball so far already, you could talk about Shohei Otani for an hour every week on a baseball show, regardless of what marketplace you're in, and be well justified because of what he's been able to do. No one, no one in baseball history has been in, in MLB history has been able to do what Shohei Otani has been able to do. There have been a couple of players in Negro League history that were able to put up the kind of uh, maybe not the overall production numbers, but definitely the kind of posts as both a pitcher and hitter. But for probably shorter periods of time, even though Otani's only been in the bigs for six years. What what this now, I, I think, means for baseball is that after years of, I guess, searching for that most recognizable athlete, that world-renowned kind of player, Otani had gotten himself there. He had been, over the last two seasons, the face of baseball worldwide. And now, you know, with the, with the inking of this contract, playing for the Dodgers, a globally recognized brand, all this, I mean, this is, this is huge, huge baseball news. And, and it leaves everybody, I think, to wonder whether you are a White Sox fan or, or a fan of anywhere else around the country um, or any other team around the country, is now this big turning point in the offseason is done. So now how does this affect my team? And I think for the White Sox, it's very, very clear. With Otani off the market and having gone to the Dodgers, the Dodgers themselves having looked for pitching, having been in reports and rumors, connecting them to potentially kicking the tires on, on a Dylan Cease trade and seeing what that might look like, now we may see um, some big-time things happening with either the free agent market in terms of pitchers um, or with even some position players. Maybe Cody Bellinger is next. Maybe some trades happen. Maybe the, maybe the White Sox are involved in some moves here um, over the next coming days. What's, um, what's remarkable, too, and, and we've yet to see some, obviously this is just coming out in the last couple of minutes, we've yet to see some details about Otani's 10-year and $700 million contract, but there's going to be, I would imagine, a significant amount of deferred money over time and I think it's also because you, you the luxury tax burden of a $70 million player, even if you are the Dodgers, would certainly be meaningful, right? You're, you're taxed on that money over a certain threshold, and many thresholds, and it's not worth getting into the whole thing. But you're probably going to see a player like Otani who wants to win take some of that money in deferrals over the next, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years or something like that so that the team can be in a little bit of a better financial stance. I also wonder what kind of incentives um, or other language might be in there about Otani's contract that's going to relate to him pitching. He's coming off of a UCL injury. It is still, as far as I know, unclear as to the exact procedure he had done on that throwing elbow. He has been adamant in his desire to throw again, to be a, a two-way player yet again. Um, so I would think that this contract is going to have to be at least somewhat dependent on what he's been being able to, on what he's able to do on the field in the future and not just 700 guaranteed million dollars. That's just me guessing. 
And if it is $700 million guaranteed, whether that's over a long term or, or whatever, that is, I mean, listen, the player's worth it and it's someone else's money, so who really cares? But that is quite a risk considering the guy you know, did not end the season healthy last year, at least in, in one part of his game, a very significant part of his game. So a, a historic day here in baseball, one of the biggest contract, the biggest contract ever signed by a baseball player, uh, signed by Shohei Otani in terms of average annual value. Uh, and I guess depending on how you want to cut up some of that uh, deferred money, you could, I don't know, uh, go one way or the other. Um, I, I think Shohei Otani's contract now becomes the largest in Ameri- North American sports history. I am sure there are some Premier League deals or something like that, some some big-time soccer deals that have been bigger than this. But um, I would say that Otani's is probably going to be larger by quite a bit than anybody else um, in American sports. So, so we will see. Uh, the tweets are coming out. The details are coming down. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. This is obviously big baseball news, and we are a baseball show. You want to talk a little White Sox? We're going to talk. We're going to get back into the Eric Fetty conversation in just a little bit and talk about how this Shohei Otani deal uh, may impact the White Sox going forward. We've got some rumors uh, about who the White Sox may be involved with next, both on a trade standpoint and free agent standpoint. We'll bring you the latest on the Dylan Cease trade market as well. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Sox fans, 2024 ticket plans are available right now. Be here for the biggest matchups and exciting new promotions throughout the season, including opening day on March 28th. Our ticket plans include great benefits, such as ticket exchange programs, special events, savings on single games, and more. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash 2024. Kind of wrapping up the winter meetings here on the show. The White Sox have two arms that are going to be in the fold and perhaps have one arm uh, headed elsewhere. Trade rumors still surround Dylan Cease, although things have cooled on that side just a little bit. We'll talk about the uh, the Dylan Cease situation in just a bit and a few other free agents that the White Sox may be interested in. But the big news throughout baseball today is a historic one. Just a couple of minutes ago, during the show, the Dodgers and Shohei Otani have reportedly agreed to a deal for 10 years and $700 million. You know, that's just kind of the the knee-jerk reaction. That's the broadcaster. You don't have to say reported deal, I guess, if Shohei Otani himself has Instagrammed about it and put out the post and let everybody know he's going to be a Dodger. Of note, the White Sox host the Dodgers in June, 24, 25, and 26th of June. But if you can't wait until then, as you know, the White Sox and Dodgers share a spring training facility down in Glendale. And on February 27th, which is not as far away as it sounds when I say it out loud, February 27th, the White Sox play the Dodgers at Camelback Ranch in Glendale, Arizona. It is the, let's see, what is that, the Fifth spring, yeah, fifth spring training game of the season for the White Sox. They open against the Cubs on February 23rd, then the Mariners, uh, then the Diamondbacks, then the defending champion, uh, World Series champion Texas Rangers, and then the Dodgers. 
What's also, I think, interesting here, and we'll hope to talk to Jesse Rogers of ESPN in just a little bit here on the show, this being a a big-time news item here in Major League Baseball, Shohei Otani signing his contract with the Dodgers. I mean, just him choosing to go anywhere would have been huge news. The fact that the contract, 10 years and 700 mil, is what it is, is also big. Mark Feinsand, who writes for MLB.com, and Jeff Passan has also tweeted something to this effect. I'm going to read from Feinsand's uh, Twitter feed here just to um, just so that you know exactly where this is coming from. He writes, Otani's deal includes what one source called unprecedented deferrals, including the majority of his salary, which was Otani's idea. Otani wanted to mitigate the CBT, the the collective bargaining tax, and cash flow burdens to let the Dodgers have flexibility to be competitive. There are also tax benefits because of the deferrals, the source said, but they were, quote, primarily about allowing the team to be successful on the field because above all else, he wants to win. So that's interesting, interesting to me from a couple of different perspectives. One, Shohei Otani, wherever he signed and for whatever he signed for, had the ability to, in a a very big way, kind of set the top of the baseball market all over again. And it looks like it is possible that breaking new ground here with these the unprecedented deferrals is maybe. And you know, listen, we're we're 15 minutes in, and I want to make grand pronouncements or anything like that. But over the last couple of seasons, we've seen more and more players. Um, get into and, and interested in deals that are going to defer money. Uh, one of the ones you might be most familiar with is Liam Hendricks. The White Sox and Liam Hendricks signed a pretty savvy contract, uh, three years uh, guaranteed of, of playing time with a fourth-year option, which the White Sox did just decline. But there was you know, $15 million that was either deferred over 10 years, I believe it was, if the fourth-year option didn't get picked up, or $15 million for that fourth year. And that helped keep the White Sox in you know, what they felt was a more competitive financial area over the years that Liam was a White Sox. It was, uh, it, Liam was, was really happy with the deal, it sounded like, when he signed and you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I'm really interested because the collective bargaining tax now has more teeth than it had before, and another big layer uh, at the top of, uh, of 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 tax, right? The Steve Cohen tax. He's the owner of the Mets. I kind of invented a new level um, when he came in and started signing a lot of players and spending a lot of money. That's a really interesting thing to me. And I I don't you know I wish I had more details. This being all of twenty minutes old right now, I've I've got what I've got, uh, and we'll talk to Jesse Rogers here in just a little bit and and see if he's got a bit more. But uh, in in detail wise, I, I know he didn't have more money than Shohei Otani at this point. He's really close. Jesse is. Uh, but not quite at that 10-year, $700 million deal. But what is also interesting to me is deferred money doesn't necessarily change what the collective bargaining tax number is on any given player's deal from a year-to-year basis. So I'll be really interested to see exactly how the Dodgers and Otani have kind of structured this to relieve some payroll space for them as they try and build a winner. Also, what's... What's been the conversation around Shohei Otani for the last six seasons? It's been he's the best player on the planet for at least the last three seasons. He's played alongside the best player on the planet, Mike Trout, for the entirety of his career. And they've never been to the playoffs. 
and they couldn't find pitching, and they couldn't sign the right play, and they, you know, all these kinds of things go along with Otani and Trout together while they were with the Angels. Now, I, I think what could be happening here, slowly but surely, I, I'm not entirely. Well, it'll take more time to sort out than just this, these these last 25 minutes or so. But what could be happening is that baseball, at least from the player class, given a new CBA being signed not too long ago, maybe players themselves are looking at um, different ways of structuring these contracts to allow teams to better position their rosters. We had kind of obviously gone through a push-pull of player salaries and, and owners looking to tear down their teams to rebuild um, with, with cheaper drafted players, players in their six years, um, first six years of MLB experience. You know, there, there are still a, a lot of teams aiming for that because it's an efficient way to win. It's, it's a good way to win, especially when you've got a lot of good young players. But when you've got a Shohei Otani out there on the market, you can go ahead and sign Shohei Otani, and then if he's if that player is is willing to do something like this, and and by via all reports, with the deferrals and and having structured things around the contract so the Dodgers can continue to sign more players and what have you, that that means apparently a ton to both the team and players, and you wonder if if more teams won't get into or more players won't get into conversations even with some you know smaller deals than 700 million and there are a lot every deal is worth less than 700 million in baseball um, whether or not those kinds of players you know just the the two for 30 or the five for 80 something like that are willing to put themselves both team and player uh, work toward a different situation a different financial situation to kind of build out the rest of the roster uh, CBS Sports tweets, and we knew this kind of going in, but it, you know, when you see the 700 million pop up on Twitter, your brain kind of breaks, and then you spend a few minutes gathering the uh, your your brain matter up off the ground and trying to scoop it back into your head to try and continue to do a radio show. Uh, at least that's how I experienced the Shohei Otani news. I'm not sure how it worked for you. Otani is uh, with, with the contract has now shattered Mike Trout's 426 and a half million dollar record. Uh, so good on Otani for beating out Trout in that contract uh, record, Guinness Book of World Records, by a cool 200 and, what is that? My gosh, $230 million or so? That's remarkable. You could fit on a list of top 20 contracts in Major League Baseball, top 30, I think you'd fit the gap between Shohei Otani and Mike Trout's deal. That gap would probably be a top 25-ish MLB contract, 230-ish million dollars for for 10 years. I think that's probably up there. Absolutely wild. 312-332-3776. We're running over just a little bit. Shohei Otani is a Dodger. We'll get back to the big additions to the White Sox and Eric Fetty, reportedly, and Shane Drohan in the Rule 5. and talk to Jesse Rogers in a little bit as well. I'm Connor McKnight on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. 1000. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Stay out of the elements in 2024. Located on the 200 level behind home plate, the Guaranteed Rate Club offers all-inclusive food and beverage, in-seat service, and complimentary parking. Plans start at 20 games. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash GRC. 
or call or text 312-674-1000. That's 312-674-1000. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly, but this is Newsdays in Major League Baseball's offseason. Shohei Otani has signed a 10-year, $700 million deal to play baseball for the Los Angeles Dodgers. It is not an upset in terms of what team he's chosen to play for. The Dodgers had long been considered a favorite to sign Shohei Otani. Their interest in the player has been going on for a couple of years now, I suppose. And at $700 million, I got to figure that Otani feels like uh, that's a pretty good it's a pretty good living. Uh, even in LA with real estate prices being what they are, I would think that at that price you could find yourself a nice little three-bed, two-bath kind of setup, even somewhat close to Chavez Ravine if you really wanted to, to cut down on traffic. Maybe you want to ride a bike, you know, just to save some money on that side of things. I know parking in L.A. is kind of a, a rough deal. You find a garage, maybe it's a one-car thing, and that's the car for the longer trips. And then you maybe bike it down to Chavez Ravine or something like that, you know, just for some cost-cutting of the whole idea. Ten years and 700 mil is the big conversation right now. I mean, it's just, it's a it's a gobsmacking number. It is an absolutely, it's a jaw-dropping number. It is, I was looking it up, I mentioned it just before the break, 10 years and $700 million is obviously the biggest contract ever signed by a baseball player. Uh, it beats out Mike Trout's $426.5 million deal. The gap between the two is real close to $270 million, which itself would be one of the top 10 contracts, like 10 years, 270 mil, be one of the top 10 contracts in Major League Baseball history. Jack, what did you say? 10 years and 270 is, it's like Nolan Arenado. That's, right? that's Nolan like Arenado's $260 million right now. Unbelievable. Yep. And what did you tell me during the break? So if too? you combined Aaron Judge and Mookie Betts' contract, and remember <laughs> they have six MVPs between the two players, if you combine those two contracts, they'd be about $720 million. So just about as much as Otani. $720 million. Wow. So, so you combine Judge and Betts, and you get one Shohei Otani deal and a pretty good maybe three-in-the-rotation bounce-back kind of guy on a one-year offer. That is – that's banana pants is what it is. I mean, that is ab- it's crazy math, crazy money. And if you're just tuning in because you, you saw the news pop up on Twitter, 10 years and $700 million, yeah, I get it. And there will be a lot more reporting on exactly how much and how, I mean, just the literal how, that money got deferred because apparently that deal contains, uh, given reports, uh, Mark Feinstein, Jeff Passan, and others, unprecedented deferrals that are going to allow the Dodgers some financial flexibility. I suppose when the middle of your lineup goes Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Shohei Otani, you could probably use some financial flexibility, you know, to sign some other players. <laughs> but but still, that's a pretty good middle of the lineup when you've got Betts and Otani and Freddie Freeman. I think you're going to be okay. Joe Sheehan is one of my favorite baseball writers. You can find him uh, on Twitter or X. I'm still calling it Twitter. It doesn't matter. At Joe underscore Sheehan. And he wrote this. My initial thought is that I underestimated the potential ancillary value of employing Shohei Otani. The money he will make his team outside of his wins above replacement, and the Dodgers have not. So that is to say, and and we've been talking about this for a while now, all right, Otani's worth what on the field? 
And what's he worth off the field? What does he bring to a baseball team in terms of his literal global appeal and the advertising dollars that a team's going to be able to bring in and all this other good stuff? One of the guys that spent a lot of time uh, concerning himself about the answers to those questions and where Shohei Otani would sign leading up to today is our very good friend and very good guy, Jesse Rogers, who joins us now on White Sox Weekly, uh, because Jesse is one of the finest humans in baseball and one of the guys who knows the most. Jesse, appreciate you hopping on. Uh, obviously, Shohei Otani Day is is a big day, and it comes with it comes with news, my friend. What do you know? What can you share? Yeah, I'm 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 one of those people that that isn't completely shocked at the number. Um, And I'll tell you why. The progression of my reporting and my information started with he doesn't care about the money. He's going to go where he's most comfortable. That's like a year ago I felt that way because he really didn't show a big interest in money a couple other times in his career where he could have shown a bigger interest, meaning when when he negotiated an early number for arbitration, when he first came over. So a lot of people in his orbit were saying he doesn't care that much about money. Now, fast forward to this offseason, as it progressed, started to learn a little bit more that, okay, maybe he isn't talking about money daily, but he is, is the people that work for him, his agents, right, are about to yeah. negotiate a, a maximum type of contract, and they are going to do what agents do. They're going to squeeze every last dollar. So what I'm getting at is a week ago, I got a text from a very highly placed source that said his agent is, is working on a sweepstakes here. He's working on a sweepstakes here. And so I think that, yes, the Blue Jays, the Angels for sure, the Dodgers, and I think at some level here in the last week, I certainly reported it on these airwaves on Wednesday, Thursday, about the same time Bob Nightingale reported the same from the USA Today. The Cubs bowed out. This is why you haven't heard anything about the Cubs the last few days. Mm. They bowed out at a certain number. I don't know exactly what that number was, but there is no way the Cubs are going to pay $700 million. I actually think Artie Moreno probably would have, but for a lot of different reasons that we could guess, you know, I think he, he settled on the Dodgers, um, and, and maybe maybe the Blue Jays' interest was real, or maybe, as that text told me, he was working on a sweepstake. So I think it's a combination of getting the most money and being in a place that is comfortable to him. The Dodgers have been the favorite for a long time, so it all kind of comes into play here as a team that can spend that much uh, uh, uh acquiesce to the agent's demand or the or the sweepstakes so to speak and, and find a home for the next 10 years so i think still 700 is a big big number connor but i'm not shocked that it got bigger than anybody would have thought talking with jesse rogers here on white Sox weekly shohei otani is a los angeles dodgers for reported 10 years and 700 million dollars one of the things that's been tossed around a bunch on twitter i shouldn't say tossed around it's been uh, reported um, unprecedented deferrals is a phrase that uh, both Mark Feinstein and Jeff Passett have had in reports. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what, what these deferrals, how these deferrals could be structured? Because it's it's not always you just say, oh, okay, well, that money's deferred and it's not on our CBT, it's not on our collective bargaining tax. Some of that money does come to play on a team's, uh, on a team's spreadsheet for that given year. What do we know about how that's going to work? Yeah, it's a, it's a great point, and I think you're, you're, you're... You're in the right area there. I, I was just texting with a league official about it right before I came on with you. So if it was a straight $70 million a year, that's a killer for oh, the luxury yeah. tax, right? That's a killer. So the deferrals, when you talk about unprecedented, and we don't know the numbers quite yet, they'll come out. 
um, there, the, you take the deferrals and there's a mathematical equation that, have, that is involved, which is tacked on to whatever he's going to make this year. And that will be the luxury tax number. It's not, you're right. It's not straight. You, you erase it from the luxury tax and it's zero. It's, it, well, we don't know what the deferral is exactly, but you're going to take that deferral and add it year by year and uh, on top of what he's going to actually make, and that will be the luxury tax number. So let's say they're paying him $35 million a year. Um, whatever, when, the, when they're done with the math, it might end up being, for luxury tax purposes, $42 million a year, something like that. So I don't know the exact formula, as uh, this is unprecedented, but this is how deferrals work. And you'd say, well, why doesn't every team do deferrals? to spread out the luxury tax number a little bit. And every team would love to, but players don't want that. They'd rather take their money and invest it up front. Um, once in a while you see a player that's okay with it because they don't mind getting paid, like Bobby Bonilla or something, but usually you want your money as soon as possible because you can make more investing it than you, than you can over the long haul. And um, so, But, but it, I understand why the Dodgers would want it and why Otani would accept it because it's really hard to build around a team if the luxury tax – build around a player if the luxury tax hit for one – is going to be seventy million a year. Yeah, we talked about Liam Hendricks having a deal that had some uh, some serious deferred money on it. The White Sox and Hendricks coming to that agreement. As we let you go here, Jesse, let's bring it home just a little bit. What does this mean uh, for the rest of the market? Is Otani signing now out of the way for the White Sox to deal with the rest of the pitching market? If indeed they are looking at trading Dylan Cease, or was Otani a one-off and the market remains kind of where it has? Yeah, I think it's starts to um, open up the market a little bit, but, but as you might expect, how does Otani really impact the pitching market? He's not pitching next year, but um, look, the Dodgers were interested in Cease. There's no doubt. The Dodgers, the Braves, the Orioles. I probably would put the Orioles in front of everyone right now for Cease. That's just sort of informed speculation just as news is changing here, right? So I suppose it could take the Dodgers out of the cease running in some respect because they kind of added a pitcher. But what my, my point being, I think it's more about maybe Yamamoto signing and then the trickle-down effect um, and impact that he has. But, I, but on the other hand, I don't think Yamamoto signing with the Orioles or Braves. So mm. it, 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 I think it's going to un, un, un flood, uh, you know, it's going to open up the market a little bit here. Uh, and I, it may take cease out of the running for the Dodgers. That, that part I just don't know because – uh, there, there's cease for next year without Otani, and then there's Otani when he returns supposedly to pitch in 25. So there's a lot of moving parts there. So I guess my answer is it's going to start to open up the market. I don't know specific to cease, though, because obviously you're thinking Otani more is uh, opening up the hitting market more than the pitching market. But it, it's, gonna, it's all going to start to flow very soon. Um, like I said, Orioles, some people still tying the Cardinals to him. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I think the Braves are, are there as well. Certainly could be other teams no one's talking about. But in my opinion, I put the the Orioles at the top of the list and the Braves second in terms of cease. And then maybe the Dodgers third or fourth or fifth now that they've signed Otani could change their calculus. Jesse, appreciate you, buddy. Thank you so much. And uh, best of luck luck with more work coming your way. That's what I mean. You got it, Connor. Anytime. Take care. Jesse Rogers, ESPN. That's some good stuff from Jesse, especially when it concerns the rest of the pitching market. And, and he's not even taking the Dodgers out of the running, perhaps, for Cease. I mean, shoot, at two years and something like $25 million through arbitration, Cease on the Dodgers would be a, a steal.
compared to Shohei Otani's 10 for 700. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. It's White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Closing it up here on White Sox Weekly, you can give the gift of White Sox baseball with a holiday flex pack starting at just $49. Get six ticket vouchers redeemable for more than 60 games throughout the 2024 season. Plus, get early access to opening day tickets. Learn more at whitesox.com slash holiday packs. One of the cool things about the new schedule in baseball is that you're guaranteed, if not at home, then at least on the road, to see every team in baseball, and the uh, the White Sox are obviously no exception to that. They will play the Shohei Otanis, pardon, the Los Angeles Dodgers in June next year, the 24th, 25th, and 26th of June at Guaranteed Rate Field. So if you're setting yourself up with a holiday flex pack for you or someone you love, uh, I don't know, maybe those are dates you want to get, get reserved for yourself so you can go see the uh, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Shohei Otani, middle of the order uh, fight against your White Sox. It's a big news day. It really is. And we spent a lot of time talking about the Shohei Otani deal. It broke about 10, 12 minutes into the show here. So when Shohei Otani signs for 10 years and $700 million, the show goes a little bit shifted that way. Next week, though, we'll get back to everything White Sox. Thank you to Jesse Rogers for hopping on the show Really appreciate his time and breaking down the Shohei Otani stuff. And this, too, I, I had to get this out today before we go. The University of Chicago College uh, tweeted this out. There is a Sarah Langs Women in Baseball Analytics Scholarship. If you are a female-identifying student or young professional pursuing a career in baseball analytics and data science, considering applying for the Slangs on Sports Analytics Scholarship, Sarah is a U Chicago alum a guest on this program many different times and one of the brightest minds in baseball analytics. It is well worth your time applying if you are so interested and qualified. Thanks for listening to White Sox Weekly. We'll be back next Saturday right here on ESPN 1000.